morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 151. And I believe, Coach Smith, you are my first Oklahoma interviewee, uh, uh, one wow. from Oklahoma. So we, we, are, we are marking the states as we go along here, and you are my first Oklahoman, I guess. I'm excited about that. Hey, what a privilege, huh? Hey. Extreme <laughs> uh, boomer sooner right now. <laughs> well, you know, I'm based out of Nebraska here. Now, I'm not a native Nebraskan, but I hope none of the Nebraska folks turn it off when they hear boomer sooner here. So I, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Uh, but hey, Katie Smith from Mustang, Oklahoma, really happy to have her on the pod. We've been kind of trying to find each other the last week or two, and we've we finally connected here, so really excited to have Coach Smith on the pod. But before we officially bring in Coach Smith, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues in the Omaha era, area, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. Give them a call at 402-964-0300. Check out their practice, cosackchiro.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, of course, you're on iTunes, so download, rate, review. Please subscribe. It helps me out if you subscribe instead of just push the button and listen. That just makes things look better for me. So subscribe if you could. Give us five stars. Give us a great review so that we can move up in the rankings. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Oh, what else we got? A penandanapkin.com. It's a really good website. I know it because I built it. And if you'd be so kind, visit the Patreon page, patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin. But enough about a pen and a napkin, Coach Smith. Let's start talking to you here this fine Saturday morning. How are things in Oklahoma this morning? Well, we were supposed to get this crazy weather last night. Uh, they were talking about tornadoes and storms, and we didn't get it, which was great. But the weather dropped 30 degrees. But I like cold weather, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're going through the changes as well here. It's it's uh, We're supposed to crack up about 53, 54 today, so we'll, we'll find a way. i got to rake my lawn. You know, no big deal. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Coach, let's uh, let's just jump in here the way that we normally do. Um, Mustang, Oklahoma, um, had a building a really really nice program there. Uh, but tell us a little bit about yourself, your basketball journey. How did you end up uh, at uh, the girls' basketball head coaching position at Mustang, Oklahoma? Sure. So, um, well, I was a player first. Um, I actually grew up in Edmond, Oklahoma which is a suburb of Oklahoma City, um, more north, I guess, of Oklahoma. And my father has been a head girls basketball coach. Um, He actually just retired this past year, but for about 23 years, and he actually um, was my assistant coach in high school. So um, coaching is kind of in our family. Both my parents are teachers. I've just always – that's just everything I've always known. So um, played underneath my father. Um, and I got a D2 scholarship to go play at Panhandle State University um, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so that was kind of hard for me. I was a city girl going to little country town. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, I, I love – I've always had a high IQ for the game. I think that's just because coaches' kids usually do. Mm-hmm. And um, I just – you know, and I always try to prepare even my athletes now that college is – much different than high school and um it's a job and you have to be you know mentally prepared for that time management you know there's so much that goes into it that i feel like sometimes we don't prepare our athletes enough for the mental side mm-hmm. and you know i struggled a little bit to be honest i think it's just because of the culture change for me sure you know i think in my head i thought basketball's basketball why does it matter where it's at yep. um you know when you're 18 you don't really know much but I decided to come back home actually and be my dad's assistant so I coached his ninth grade team for a couple years while I kept going through college um, and putting myself through college so I was still coaching I was really really young obviously but I I really enjoyed coaching ninth grade Um, but I was also my dad's assistant did all the things you know that head coaches don't want to do, you know, the organization, all of that stuff, which yep. I think is great because it prepares you, you yep. know, to know what you need for your organization and your program. So, and then from there, I, um, I obviously graduated, um, from 
from college and I got my first head coaching job at U.S. Grant, which is an Oklahoma City public school. Um, the demographic is, uh, I mean, it's it's almost 80, 90 percent um, Hispanic. Okay. And um, they had, hadn't won a game in, I think, two years when I got this job. Wow. And yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, I think the good thing about that, though, I guess being a young, there's no expectation. So you just can go in and have fun and try to do the best you can and learn as a coach and, you know, give what you can. But I learned real fast that a lot of these girls needed, um, I think they needed basketball more than they thought. Um, you know, it, the demographic is really low, um, socioeconomic. So like surviving is more important, I think, than anything, if that makes sense. So, yep. yep. Um, yeah. So it really taught, I, I felt like I became the best, oh, skills coach you could be because that's all we had to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these girls came from a background where they don't play, you know, basketball growing up because they just don't have those type of resources like that yeah and so uh we won like three games that year which was exciting because they hadn't won a game obviously and then the next year um i think we doubled that so we won like six or seven i Mm -hmm. think if i can remember correctly and it was great but being young and then i ended up having you know two of my youngest children um well my oldest children now but i ended up having kids during that time also and having kids and trying to be there for all these kids emotionally it just wore on me as a mom and a coach and so um i decided to take a step back and go back and be my dad's um assistant again actually Mm -hmm. and um and mainly because i was a young mom too and i i needed to because being a head coach is just a whole nother animal yep absolutely and um so then you want me to keep going because i could hey just keep your yeah. it's, it's your day katie okay i just because i'm a talker so if you're like <laughs> okay so from there i um midwest city um is always been a high like a very good program uh-huh. and the coach actually quit later than normal mm-hmm. and it was during like contract hours where like other head coaches that would want that job couldn't go because they were already locked in if that makes sense yep and so me being an assistant i thought okay well i'll just go apply i need practice anyway um and this was oh three years so i'd been with my dad for three years being his head assistant he'd been he uh we'd been state oh he'd won state two years in a row Mm -hmm. um 2011 and 2012 and then when i got there we went to the state finals and lost and then the next year we lost in the semis so you know my dad has been and he's been to state like he went to state i think 12 out of the last 13 years um yeah he's just edmund santa fe was always just good and he built that program from scratch so Mm -hmm. it was really exciting to be under him and see all that so i went and applied you know i just did the best i could and and i got a phone call they asked me for a second interview and i'm like oh my gosh okay <laughs> and i ended up actually getting it uh-huh. and uh, it was exciting and and scary at the same time because i came into a program with eight seniors mm-hmm. um that just lost their you know that their head coach just left obviously um and they're looking at me probably like who are you yep. um and uh it was difficult i'm gonna be honest um uh, it was just you know i was still kind of young to be honest and so they're you know questioning everything i'm doing and i'm having to stick to my guns and stick to my rules even though it wasn't as popular probably as they wanted it to be and i just had to stand my ground um and then i because i had such a high you know talented team they hadn't really had a lot of structure they were just super athletic and Mm -hmm. i tried to bring that on the offensive side and the defensive side and these girls really blossomed in that area and it was crazy because my first year there I went state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I, if I look back at my college or, or excuse me, my high school coaching career, that would have been the most difficult, I think coaching mm-hmm. and I ended up winning it. Yeah. So it kind of was like a blessing. Cause I remember right before the state finals, like asking God, like, is this really what you want me to do? Cause it was just so, difficult mentally you know they they challenged me every day I was you know it was just and uh, after I won state I thought okay I think you're trying to tell me something yeah. so yeah uh, yeah so I was there for four years um and really enjoyed it and my kids were you know going through that system that Midwest City system and um academically I'm a huge coach on academics and um for my own students or 
I mean, excuse me, for my own children. And mm-hmm. so um, I wanted more for them, I think, academically. Mm-hmm. And so I started searching for different jobs um, and Mustang kind of came open and Mustang has been a very good program also Yep. Um, with a more of a pay raise. So that's always. Yeah, that's a, a bonus. Appealing. Yeah. yeah. And they have high, high high academics it is a great school so i applied for that job um and i didn't hear anything for like three weeks so i just assumed i didn't get it and i just kept going on my business because i still loved my job where i was and so i get a phone call from um my athletic director at mustang and um offered me the job mm-hmm. and so i've now been and i was so now i'm going on my fourth year here at mustang um and we've been to state uh, back to back these last two years, lost in the first round, but mm-hmm. we made it there. And I think that's always a huge goal just to get there. Um, and so here I am, yep. uh, on my, it's about my 15th year total yep. counting the assistant jobs that I had to. So awesome. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about your dad a little bit. Um, sure. and, and, and then I've had plenty of, uh, coaches on here who have played for their mom or their dad. But I haven't had very many that have coached with their parent. So what did you, you know, there's a certain side that every child sees from their parent when their parent is coaching them. What are some things that you saw from your father when you were coaching with him that you didn't see as a player? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, thank you. Um, I think you see the... uh, Oh, all the stuff that you do as a coach that nobody else sees, I guess. Um, you know, you don't really – a lot of people, you know, come and they just, just – I don't know, they see just the out, you know, the game and that's it. And they don't – all the organization that comes into a program and all the things that you need to do to make it work, especially on the girl side. Um, my dad was really good with girls, always has been. I feel like you either are or you aren't because um, girls are just so emotional in everything they do and – he was really good at that. Um, and I also got to see all the things he does for players besides, besides me, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when you're his kid, you only see what he does for you. And then when you're coaching under him, you see all the things he does for all of them. Um, and, uh, and I think what he's probably one of the best coaches in the state for is helping young coaches become coaches. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge. Um, he taught me, you know, what you do for your assistants, how to build your program and how your assistants need to learn and how to prepare them to become head coaches. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things he's done for me and done for a lot of other coaches in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also uh, a coach who has children, like you said, that are going through the system, going through the yeah. experience of being athletes. Uh, I went through... Kind of the same thing. Um, our our kids never got to the varsity level, but they played. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's a it's a good thing to be a coach of a child who's going through the athleticism, and sometimes it it can be a little oh I don't know what's the word uh, uh, you know it can be a little frust not not frustrating that's that's the wrong word but there's there's pros and cons to it so for, yeah. for you Katie what are some of the the pros of being a coach while you're watching your child play a football or or a, a softball or whatever the sport may be and yeah. and and what are some of the the negatives of it oh i think this has been difficult okay so my son so i can give you a little background on my kids a little bit but um my son is actually going to play football for air force next year um he's been a football and basketball dual sport athlete all four years my daughter has played basketball um and she's also four-time all-stater in choir but she uh she plays for me right now and she's a junior but she's coming back from an acl injury which is hard but i think um I, I, the reason I'm telling you that is because the way I've approached my son is different than my daughter because now I coach my daughter, so yep. it's a little bit different. I think being a parent watching my son is more enjoying. I mean, it's just so enjoying to not have to – I don't know because I feel like my daughter has to have higher expectations. She always says I have to be perfect or it's not good enough, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which is hard, I think, but that's just expectations I think I put on my kids all the time. My dad was the same way you know, with me, and I think – as parents, we do that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think balancing that has been really hard for my daughter and me. Um, 
when she asks me a question, I'll always say, are you asking me from coach or are you asking me from the mom? And we made these standards and boundaries I, right before she became a freshman uh-huh. because I just did not want our relationship to be ruined, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I've seen... I've seen so many of those type of relationships between a, a child and their parent. Uh, the, the parent thinks they need to be so hard on them. And, you know, and you hear these horror stories of I hardly talked to my mom or my dad for three or four years because of, you know, he you know, he or she was trying to get the best out of me. And, you know, and, and usually it ends up being OK. But I, I don't know. I just I just I it's it's difficult. I get it. it, it, I, it I, 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 co- I coach my kids a little bit but not very much. And I know how hard it is. And I tell my youth coaches all the time, I know how hard it is for you to coach your own kids. I really appreciate what you're doing because it's, it's not easy uh, no. at, at a youth level, let alone at the high school level, like you're doing with your daughter. So uh, I, I know there's ups and downs to it. And that's why I was kind of asking the question, you know, uh, as, as you watch and, and you go through the process. Well, and I had it, I think like a, I don't know, a wake-up call when Keegan, my oldest, was, oh, I think, seventh or eighth grade. And um, the guy that was coaching him is actually a, a, a boys coach here at a 5A school here in Oklahoma. And he he was – he's always been a great – he's always been great for Keegan. But one day he came up to me and he was like, uh, coach? And I was like, yeah. He goes, you know, when you coach your team and you tell them that, you know, you don't want their parents coaching from the sideline and you don't want them listening and, and all that, he goes, yeah. And he was like, I need you to start doing that for Keegan. And I stopped and I was like, oh, gut check. Like, ah. <laughs> and I think that just really showed, like, I need to let Keegan, like, you know, as a parent, if I don't want that as a coach, then I need to start setting that example. And it was hard because, you know, I did that, I think, for longer than I thought. And so I just decided, okay, I'm going to be quiet. But uh-huh. then there was that Keegan would, like, look at me like, why are you not talking? And I'd be like, just We'll talk after, yeah. you know, yep. so, yep. you know, that was, you know, just all of that. Uh, it's, it is hard, I it, think, yeah, um, it is. more than people really know. Yeah. Um, just because you love your kids, you want that, you know, that them to set those high expectations for themselves, but you also want to have a healthy relationship also. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, Coach, I, I like a couple as as I was kind of scrolling through some stuff and getting ready for today. I love a, a couple of your uh, mottos that you have. I want to run these by you here and, and just kind of sure. e- explain them a little bit. Uh, practice, okay. practice the boring stuff. Sure. Yeah. So I say that all the time in practice. My girls already know what are the two main boring stuff, and they always say layups and free throws. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like those are two areas that when you get kids to high school, they just think those are natural and mm-hmm. that we don't need to practice those things. Um, that you know we've been doing this since we were little. Um, and those are the two areas that are kind of boring. It's not flashy. Um, you know, you don't get really, really, really tired. You know, you have to actually put in the reps on those things. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, those are the, and I always say like, you know, if we lose a game because of free throws, that's my biggest pet peeve. And they know that, um, that's a free throw for a reason and it needs to be free and it needs to be made. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you know, the mental side of that too, you know, and you have to put yourself in a position to make a free throw on the mental side. And I always tell them, you know, majority of the time when you shoot free throws, you know, you're tired. So are you practicing being tired as you're shooting free throws? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then are you putting yourself in a mental, you know, state when you're practicing your free throws? Like if I don't make this, you know, what's going to happen. And then do you give yourself a punishment so that, you know, you understand how important it is. Mm-hmm. So I just, um, and that and free th- or layups, obviously I always laugh because girls basketball loves to make threes, but then struggle making layups. <laughs> I don't, you know, it drives me crazy. Oh, but, I hear you. you know, I've kind of changed my philosophy off two feet more now than off one, uh-huh. uh, depending on obviously situations. But I, I think two feet, that's one of the things that we've been talking a lot about, Mm-hmm. Over the last year or two, yeah. um, with girls just to balance and yeah. finish, you know. Yeah, I, I tell my girls all the time. I, I forget where Ariema said it, but at some point in my career, I heard Gino Ariema say, uh, "Women's basketball games are won and lost with layups and free throws." And so, as you said that, that's the first thing that popped into my mind. So, uh, you you have hit the proverbial nail on the head, Katie. Hey, I'm proud of myself. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the, the other one that you had was uh, hashtag GID. What does that mean? Okay, so GID means get it done. And actually, my father started that 
uh, since I was little. Um, we used to go watch uh, University of Central Oklahoma, UCO. It's a D2 school in Edmonds. Men's coach all the time, and my dad got it from him, and I've just kept it. And my girls say GID all the time. We say it's on, it's in the locker room. It's on the back of our shooting tops. It's in our Twitter page it's everywhere. I even had a girl laugh and said she was going to get a tattoo of it. And I said, do not. <laughs> um, but we like uh, get it done means like get it done. And it, and it doesn't have to necessarily mean basketball either. Mm-hmm. Get it done in the classroom, you know, get it done with your community, get it done as young women setting examples of how we want to be um, in society. Um, and, you know, get it done also on the court. And that doesn't necessarily mean winning all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we get it done and do everything and play the hardest that we can. And sometimes we don't get a win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always try to help them remember that. So, yeah, that's one of our hashtags that we talk about all the time. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Let's talk about, uh, real quick, another influence of yours, Mike Neighbors, and uh, Coach has been on the podcast before, uh, just a, a great guy. What's what's Coach Neighbors done for you as he's helped out so many people in the game? I think the thing I love about him is how transparent he is and his ability to share all and everything that he has. Um, I think that's huge for you know coaches because I feel like learning from each other um, is, I don't know, I just... I love helping others and he, even though personally probably have never spoke to him, but I've listened to him in several coaches clinics and taken in everything he says. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his, his IQ of the game is just amazing. I think the thing I love about him the most though, is like his words and verbiages he uses to help teach girls, like certain things like transition, for example, he has, he calls them locks, bracker, dragons and rabbits. Mm-hmm. And instead of like a one, two, three or four or five. And I think that helps young kids, like especially high school kids understand and then like helps them remember because of the words he uses. Like, okay, you're a rabbit. What does a rabbit do? You know, I don't know. I just, and he, he like this past clinic I went to, he just shared so much stuff that was just so great. And, um, you know, I, I don't, obviously you don't use it all, but you pick up little things and then you use it to help your program and, um, he also just recruited one of my um, players last year. It's the only freshman that's playing for him right now, mm-hmm. uh, Carly Johnson, and she loves it up there. And it's just, he's just a great coach, I think, too. Like I said about my dad, helping other coaches become great. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you guys run a summer league uh, there at Mustang. Yeah. I saw, and those are those are difficult to run. Uh, I mean, it, it is, it's, 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 uh, we used to run one, uh, at my old job, we had a JV league, uh, it wasn't a varsity league, but it was a summer league nonetheless. Uh, yeah. what have, what have you done to put together a, a really good summer league that other schools want to come back to year after year after year? So I, I do agree. It's difficult. I think the most difficult part of that, which nobody understands, is the schedule. Yes. I mean, you think you're a smart person <laughs> and you're intelligent until you start putting a schedule together. And, then, you know, some coaches can't play at this time. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I know exactly what you mean. I, I have uh, I have gone blind uh, with a spreadsheet and different colors and it, and it looks like a, it looks like a bowl of lucky charms in front of me. Uh, cause I've got all these colors and this school can play here and this school wants to play three games on this night, but they can only, they can't play the two weeks before it. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Coach. Yes. And I'm like, there has to be a system and I'll like call their coaches and they'll be like, no, that's exactly how I do it too. And it's awful. And I'm just like, ah. and I know there's like computer programs out there, but they're so expensive and you gotta, you know, try to, you know, make this 
affordable too to play in so mm-hmm. you don't want to anyway but yeah it i think what's great about mustang which if people don't know we're one of the biggest we we are excuse me the biggest high school on the west side um of the state we have like over i think 3800 students in our school but we have one of the biggest i mean we're, we look like a college campus really mm-hmm. yeah. um we we're almost right there with all the tulsa schools like competing with how big they are but um with that being said we have the best facilities i'll have college coaches come and they're like man these look this looks better than a lot of colleges and i'm like i know we're very blessed mm-hmm. so it helps because a lot of people want to come because of our facilities um and we can hold multiple games at multiple places um and you know i i love it because i i don't know i always feel like you build your team in the summer and you also can see what you need to work on yeah. um you know and the networking with other coaches and you know just seeing how other people do their teams but i'll do like a freshman a jv and a varsity um and that's always nice um to see that but the organization on a summer league is is always hard like i said the schedule part but once the schedule's done i feel like it just smoothly goes um but i absolutely enjoy it because we can host it and i can sit there and watch basketball all day and it's just the greatest thing (laughs) absolutely uh, do you have like, uh, I, I've always thought it's little things that, that help with that. Obviously you got to have a great facility. You have a, have to have a facility mm-hmm. that people are comfortable with, uh, hiring good officials, I think is really important. Hard. Uh, yes. it's, it's hard, but it's, it's important. And if you have to pay a little bit more, I've always believed with, uh, with a summer league, if you're going to host a, a shootout, a, a, a team camp or whatever you want to call it. Uh, pay a little bit more for good officials. Always. Um, yep. I, I think that's really important. It's it's a little thing, but I always think it's important that you supply the bench workers, uh, the, the scorekeepers and that type of stuff uh, so yep. that parents can just come and watch their kids play instead of having yep. to come in and, and do that type of stuff. It, it, are those type of things that you do as well, Coach? Yep. Yeah, and so I have all my players work it, and I think that's good for them, too, so they can see, you know, some of them are like, oh, my gosh, being a clock person is so stressful. I'm like, yeah, so don't yell at people when they mess up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it just absolutely. lets them see it from a different angle. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's great for them to be a part of it and work it and, and just more, you know, about being in the community. But I also agree with you on the ref part. Um and it is hard, but sometimes I have to remind my parents, too, that some of these refs are learning and mm-hmm. the summertime is the best time for them. And so um, getting them in here um, and just being more, I don't know, patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like everybody across the nation, probably because of the shortage of refs, just need to be more patient because mm-hmm. I tell them all the time, if we don't have refs, we can't play a game. Yeah. And so you need, you know, and I, and people will say, well, they could win or lose the game for you. And I'm like, you know, but does it really come down to just one thing? No, it doesn't. And so we need to, you know, just, I don't know, give them more grace. Uh, I, I think in my entire history, I've only had two technical fouls ever. Mm -hmm. I try to tell, teach my girls to adjust to refs, you know, things like that. And just getting angry, but yeah, in the summer league too, you have to have amazing assistance um that are willing to work just as hard as you and i have probably the best in the state in my opinion mm-hmm. um and they're you know because we have multiple gyms and they all have to be ran mm-hmm. um and then also the biggest part that nobody understands are the people that you hire to help clean it up oh yeah like, yep. they are the most important because they have to keep it nobody wants to come to a summer league when the floor is dirty or the bathroom is you know nasty yep. and and that's important and, you know you have to have food and concession stand i mean there's just a lot that goes into it that people don't realize that you as the head coach are organizing it all, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I actually, you were talking about the official shortage and I think that's really important to talk about as well. And, and we had a meeting with our youth coaches a month or so ago and I was telling them, you know, uh, we need to be really aware of how we treat officials because mm-hmm. the, the, it, it is, it is a real thing that, that there is a shortage of officials. And what I told my youth coaches is, you know, if if you as a youth coach are if youth coaches are constantly chirping, that's where you're going to lose officials first. They're still going to come in and do the varsity games. They're still going to do the high school games. Where it's going to be harder and harder to find officials is in the youth arena. And so let's treat our officials well because they're out there trying to do the best job that they can, just like you're trying to do the best job that you can. And I think that's really important as well, Coach. I agree with you there. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I just think that. Um... And I always say, too, and I know this is like a 
I don't know, people always say this, if you don't like it, pick up a whistle. But it is true. Yeah. And I feel like you really don't know how anybody feels until you actually do their job and then you appreciate them more. I, mean, I feel like that's everything, you know? Yeah. That's why I tried, like I went back to the people who clean. Those are the, I try to appreciate, the, I try to give them shirts. I try to give them like camp shirts. I try to, I want them to feel appreciative because anybody who feels appreciative is always going to work more. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's the same thing if a ref, like there's a couple refs here that know how much I, you know, care about him and I can be aggressive sometimes, but I think that's just because again, which that's a whole nother podcast is how officials sometimes treat women coaches is different mm-hmm. and I've seen it and I've been around it and I've noticed it. Well, what, um, what do you mean by that? I mean, let's, let's, let's go there, coach. I mean, that's okay. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, and I think it's gotten a little better, but I always try to advocate for that. And mm-hmm. I always say that I feel like men, um, yelling at men get away with things but more than if a woman is aggressive or yells at a man, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. There, there is a that, certain, there is, yeah. uh, if, if a, if a male coach is on the sideline and he's getting heated with an official, uh, let's say it's on television, the, the announcer goes, look how intense he, he's just fighting for his yeah. players and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and, and that's the perception. Whereas if a woman does and says, the exact same things that that male is saying, in many ways, there are going to be people that are going to use a very derogatory term that would describe that woman. And it, it is a double standard, and it's a very unfair double standard. And and it's it's not right. You're just out there fighting for your kids and fighting for your team the yeah. same way that that male coaches. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah. And I think the best thing that's kind of happened is that we've had more female refs, um, I think, Mm because when I was younger, I don't remember ever having one um, as a player. And so now I feel like we have more. And I love that. I always am so for like even all of them being females, just because it's a female game. It's a female sport, uh, female refs. I mean, it's just great. Mm -hmm. Um, And but it's gotten better. And I think also I need to be more aware of, too, of how I'm acting because I'm representing for other young women, if that makes sense. But I also want them to know that it's okay to stand up for yourself. So it's kind of like a, I don't know, like a, a balance that you have to make sure that you're, you know, doing correctly as much as you can, I guess. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our A Pen and a Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. A Pen and a Napkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. All right, Coach, at this time, we are going to jump into our John Wooden quote of the day. Every week, we take a quote from Wooden's book, Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. So I'm going to throw this out to you, Coach, and if you want to build on it and want to talk about it, that'd be great. So, uh, Coach Smith, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? I am ready. All right, so here we go. The John Wooden quote of the day from Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. You'll find this on page 72. It is. The very worst thing you can do is to beat yourself. By that, I mean not functioning to your level of competency because you didn't put out your full effort in all ways. Amen. I I think that's huge, and I think that as we get older in our career as coaches, uh, we tend to, I don't know, become comfortable, I think. Yep. Um, And I think that we have to constantly keep Educating ourselves, going to coaches' clinics, finding new ways of coaching things that we've always said that, you know, this is how it's always been. Why would I change? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, like I was telling you earlier about my dad, watching him over the years kind of showed me that, you know, not that I, you know, just didn't respect him for who he was, but I saw how you're still stuck and it's hard for you to change. And I think that for us to be able to, I don't know, to give our best effort for our players, we have to, if we're expecting them to learn and watch the game and all of that, I feel like we as coaches need to do the same. Uh-huh. Um, and I I always am going to coaches' clinics and trying new ways. And I also allow my assistants to, you know, I always say, if you find me doing something and you feel like, you know, it's not, I need you to let me know. Uh-huh. And a great example of that is I've been assistant with me for seven years. She is my 
oh, I love her to death. Um, and she was like, coach, I'm really tired of you telling girls to follow your shot. And I was like, really? And so we sat down and we talked about why I say it, you know, why this has always been a deal for me and why it's always been a deal for her. And then she showed me like other coaches and their philosophies. And so, you know, it's hard sometimes to, I don't know, be challenged. And she, she won that. And so now I never tell anybody to follow their shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it's just uh, something that I was taught and I always did at a younger age. And, you know, that's a huge thing that I feel like people have opinions on right now. Um, How how important is it for a head coach to be open to the thoughts of their assistant coaches? I think it's huge. I think it, um, you know, I... I am huge on trying to teach and getting my assistants, you know, they all have duties and they all have their own things that I put them in charge of. So nobody walks on anybody's shoes and there's great communication and everybody knows what they're in charge of. Um, but having them, let them have a voice is, is huge. And to be honest, that can be hard for me at times. And it's not because I don't want their voice. It's because sometimes I'm just so wrapped up in the moment that I forget, Uh um, to allow them. And so, I did something different with my practice plan this year and, you know, certain drills, I put certain coaches in charge of now mm-hmm. um, so that they have a voice throughout the practice. Um, they also just feel more important. And I feel like when they do feel that way, they want to work more and yeah. work harder um, for your program and for you uh, when they feel valued, I guess. Yeah. I, I think so. that's a, a big part, you know, for, for us as, most head coaches, I won't say all head coaches, but most head coaches are pretty driven. They This is the the position that they want. Very few of us go, okay, I'll do it, you know, type of a thing. And, yeah. uh, and you know, so we've got a pretty good internal motor. But at the same time, once we get there, uh, because of that drive, sometimes it's hard for us to let go. So I think that's great that you have intentional teaching points for your coaches to have during practices so that they are going to feel involved so that they know that's going to be their their thing those two three four things whatever that you're going to have on that daily practice I'm in charge of that and get that gives them ownership to the team and to the program yep I agree and I just feel like in any leader in any business or anything when people feel valued they work harder mm-hmm. and they want to be there and they, you know, and I feel like too, like always appreciating them, giving them words of affirmation, always trying to um, let them know that they are valued is huge too. And I feel like some people, especially coaches, I think we have a tendency to just assume mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that they feel, you know, and we, I feel like it's important, especially younger generation, these new coaches, they really need to feel that. I've, I've learned. Yeah. Well, let's kind of build on that, Coach. Let's kind of get into some of sure. your X's and O's philosophies. You're in the middle of your pre... We haven't even started practice yet, and you're already in, in scouting and preseason scrimmages. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Really? Yeah. When we, does your season start? Sorry, I'm totally off subject. No, no, no. That's fine. We don't start until November 14th. Uh, so we, you know, uh, our boys and girls in Nebraska, we won't start till a week from tomorrow. So, uh, so you can't do anything at all. Like, we're, we're we're doing uh, some open gyms and conditioning and some uh, some other things, uh, but we can't coach. Uh, we could do small wow. breakdown groups and things like that, but there's but there's no there's no direct coaching or anything like that yet. So, oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, you know, every state's got their own things, and and yeah. every region kind of has their own things, and that's that's what we do here, and so. Um, Everybody's on the on the same or in the same position or supposed to be, sure. um, you know. So so we just we just do what we we have to do and and we'll figure exactly. it out. So yeah. Uh, but so so you're way into it. You you're you're uh, looking at scrimmaging already and, and and things like that. So over the last few weeks, what have you done? What are some of your preseason setup ideas, what are you looking to do over the last few weeks as you're building your teams towards your first game? I think that's an important thing that we've talked quite a bit about on the pod, but I'm always interested to hear what folks have to say about 
their preseason setup, uh, what they look to accomplish, what's their benchmarks along the way. We need to get this sure. done by here, that type, uh, that type of thing. So I'm just going to let you go, Coach. And, and uh, sure. if I, you know, if I have a follow up question or some sort, I'll, I'll try to politely interrupt you there and and roll from there. So go ahead, yeah. Katie. The floor is yours. Okay. So here in Oklahoma, um, we can start. So here, I'm Mustang. We have an hour. Basketball is an hour, like seventh hour. And so until October 1, we can do anything we want within that hour. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and then once October 1 starts, we can go as long as we want, whenever we want. Um, And scrimmages usually start around November 1. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like um, I, about a couple years ago, we took a different plan towards our preseason. Um, We tried to make it more, you know, competitive and mentally tough. Mm -hmm. I've noticed over the, you know, I feel like, that was a huge thing that we needed for our team was being more mentally, you know, tough. And so we came up with a plan, which was really fun. And the girls love it, which is crazy because it's like, it's really hard, but <laughs> we make it, I know it's so funny. So we put them in groups um, and I assign one girl in that group to be a leader. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I usually pick girls that I see that need to be more vocal mm-hmm. or the girls that already are. And I feel like they would be good. And then I put girls in their groups. Um, that might need them more, if that makes sense. So yep. I psychologically try to divide these groups based upon personalities, um, work ethic, and I try to even it out um, for them. They come up with fun names uh, for their team, and their that team is you know gets points uh, throughout the preseason, and whoever has you know the end of the year points wins preseason champion. Mm-hmm. So um, we have I have a whole thing I print it out for them and how they get points. Um, we always pick a player of the day, whoever stood out. So if anybody in your group, you know, gets that, they get a point. Um, if, oh, if they turn in all their book studies. So we read a book every, every year. So we just got done with Teammates Matter, which is a great, oh my gosh, it is a great book. And I recommend that for everybody. Who, who wrote that um, book, Katie? I think it's Alan Williams. Um, it is the perspective of a um, player that went to Wake Forest who was the walk-on. And you see the perspective of a person who works just as hard as everybody else, who doesn't get the scholarship, um, that, you know, has to do stuff day in and day out. And it's, so it's a perspective of somebody who does all that that doesn't really get playing time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just shows that everybody matters no matter what. Everybody has a role. And I really noticed my girls really get into it and really liked it. So mm-hmm. if um, I give them questions, if they everybody in their group reads it and turns them in on time, they get a point. Mm-hmm. Um, we do finishers at the end of, like a sometime a conditioning finisher, we come up with something. And if that team wins, then they get a point. And these are just examples. Um, like I make them take a gallon of water with them every day. If they everybody in their group had their gallon of water and have drank half of it, you know, I give them a point. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a great thing and i we started that a couple years ago um and they got closer to as a unit as you know because they're in charge of others and they know others are relying on them and so it made preseason a lot more i don't know what the word is more it's more competitive but it brought my team closer Uh um and so Right before October 1, uh, we announced that, and I get them these cute shirts with their names on the back that they came up with, preseason champion. And um, then we start selecting teams um, and so forth. I put them on JV, varsity, whatever. Uh-huh. And they get, you know, and then we start October 1, where we go to two, two and a half hours. I never usually go over that. Mm-hmm. Um, so October is really about just mainly, you know, teaching 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 and this yeah. year i have a very very young team um very very talented team but just unexperienced because i graduated seven seniors um and four were starters last year yep and so um i always say that we're not rebuilding we're just reloading and so um these girls work so hard so it makes my life a lot easier um and they were always on scout team last year, and they were all so their IQs really high. They got some um, scars on them too. They've been battle tested by going against yep. those older kids. Yep. Yeah, and so I feel like some of them feel like they kind of have a chip on their shoulder because you know everybody's talking about how you know we lost so much and we're not going to be as good, and so they're trying to you know prove that, which is great. But then as a coach, you have to let them know that it's okay. We're going to fail some here, especially at the beginning. I mm-hmm. feel like we'll get better as we go. You mm-hmm. know. 
because we don't have the experience. Yeah. Um, but uh, for this year, because my team is so young, and I feel like you have to change things up every year depending on your team, but yep. I decided to schedule an earlier scrimmage that I normally don't do um, because, and against a team that's a lower classification, because I want to build confidence and I want them to, oh, you know, see some of the good things. And, yep. you know, we did really well. Yep. Um, then we sit down, and then as the scrimmages go, I have them get harder. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, obviously we're preparing for our first game, which is Tuesday, November 29th. Wow. Close and quick then. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we you, get six scrimmages. I don't know. What, yeah. We get six scrimmages. If you want them, you take them. If you don't, you don't. But yeah. six is the limit. Yep. So. so so your situation in some ways is almost like a, like a college situation where you've got this long – drawn out process and you've got a little bit more time per se to start implementing your stuff as, as you move towards your first game. Exactly. And, um, I, I guess cause I've lived here my whole life and I've coached here my whole life and even went to college. I don't know how other states work. So I'm always curious and it just, I don't know. It's really neat to see how, you know, other people do it. Yep. Um, but yeah, we do a lot of like during preseason individual skill work. Um, but this year I tried to start throwing some, more teaching of breaking down offenses and, you know, our defenses just because a lot of them, especially like I have a lot of really good freshmen and some sophomores that weren't on varsity that need to learn these things. Mm -hmm. And so unlike last year, I could ramp it up and do a lot more skill work because they all knew everything. Yeah. But this year we have to change it a little bit. So it's been really rewarding to see them grow as a group um, and get better. So with, with that uh, long extended preseason, uh, it, it, do you fight uh, a little bit of boredom? Do you fight a little bit of, of burnout? Like, you know, we want to get them started. We want to get them going, but we don't want to get them going too soon mm-hmm. so that they're not fresh in February and March. I mean, is, is that some of the thought process that you and your coaching staff go through? Yeah, and I think that's why we changed up the preseason and made it more like uh, with the groups and things, because we did start to see that too early, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think also that's why I added a scrimmage in so that we have something to look forward to. And then now we can break down film and we're starting the process maybe a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. you know, you know, obviously we all want to play rather than practice every day. Um, and so because we added that preseason kind of template, it has really helped psychologically, excuse me, the girls not, get um burnt out i also have a lot of girls which i love multi-sport kids Uh i love 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 multi-sport kids and i will never punish a kid uh for doing that and i will never make them feel guilty for missing or anything of that nature because um, i'm just a huge advocate of that and i feel like that helps some of my girls too that do that because they get a mental break um Uh from it and so i got some volleyball girls and softball girls in later Uh um and had to catch them up some Yep. But I feel like that always, I don't know. I just, we are huge promoters of uh, girls' sports here. And so, like, another thing preseason, if they all go to, you know, support volleyball, they take a picture that their team is there, I give them a point. So it's like other things for them to do, you know, helping their community too, um, and not just just basketball all the time. Yep. Absolutely. would you be willing to to share that template with folks if if uh, when we drop this? Would you be willing to throw that out there? Sure. Okay. Sure. I can. I think I have like the breakdown of how they get points and things like that, and they come up with a team name. Yeah, I can share that with you. No problem. Awesome. That'd be great. Well, folks, when you're listening to this, we'll we'll uh, we'll attach that. Well, I'll put it on Twitter, and and you can check it out. So, uh, thanks for your willingness to share with that, Katie. So. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, Strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com.
Let's talk a little bit about your defensive philosophy then. Uh, you know, what, what are you guys doing defensively? And yeah, I mean, just is man, is it zone? Are you pressuring? Are you getting back pack line, whatever it may be? What do you do? Why do you do it? How do you do it? Uh, how do you implement it? I'm, I'm, you know, again, there's about nine questions I just threw at you all there all at once. So, so, uh, so, so talk to us about your defense there at Mustang high. Okay, so if anybody knows anything about me, I'm a huge defensive-minded coach and always have been. So, um, But I have changed a little bit over the couple of years and focused more on offense. Um, but I still, you know, true to who I am and my philosophy will always be defense first. But um, I am a huge um, – I try to show and we try to run multiple defenses. So mm-hmm. I'm not a coach that just uh, – it's just one type. Uh, I only run man or I only run, you know, point zone or I only, you know, whatever that is, I teach and implement all, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yep. Um, but before I teach anything, uh, I always teach man and I am a huge man too. So I will probably run more man probably in a game, but my girls know multiple defenses and we throw them at teams a lot just to see and put them on their toes if they can, what they have against that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am a huge um, – my girls have to talk, and they have to talk the entire time. And um, it's so funny. They made a TikTok about me, making fun of me, and <laughs> how I yell at them and hey. tell them they have to talk. And talking is not an option here at Mustang. You have, anyway, they thought it was so funny. Yeah. But, I- imitation uh, is the most sincere you know, form of flattery. So there you go. Yes. Yep. I know. They're, such, they're so funny. Yeah. But I, because I preach that, they actually do that. So I know there's a lot of coaches that say, you know, talk on defense, but then they don't hold them accountable for talking in a game. And I think that uh, what they do in practice, and if you say in practice, you need to then hold them accountable, you know, in a game. Um, and I just had a girl move from Kansas, and she was laughing because she went to a tryout for like an AAU team. And she was like, Coach, I found myself being the only one talking. I look around and everybody's looking at me like I'm weird. And she was like, and I was like, gosh, why are they not talking? I was like, yes. So, you know, they talk, they talk the entire time. Um, I tell them they have conversations with each other. Like if you're off ball, you're talking. If if the girl's coming to set a screen, you need to be, you know, saying it early, loud and often. And, um, and all five have to be talking the entire time. And so um, offense or defensively, excuse me, on our man defense, I feel like if they don't know man, they can't learn anything else, in my yep. opinion. Yep. Um, I feel like some people go backwards, and um, we. I just. I feel like if you teach zone, it's hard for them to learn man. I guess mm-hmm. that's just my philosophy. I. I but we. Um, I don't force uh, baseline, and I don't force um, middle, and I don't play gap. Um, we just play straight up hips forward um, because I don't want to get beat. Um, mm-hmm. Our main philosophy is to keep our man in front of us. And really not to get on ball on ball steals. We want steals to come off the ball. Um, we want to put enough pressure that we're causing um, frustration, but not trying to get ourselves beat and not getting on ball fouls. Mm-hmm. Um, I want I want that steal coming, you know, from a bad pass or a weak pass, or you know, we rotate and scramble out. Um, and things like that. So we do this four corner defensive drill where mm-hmm. um, I think he, you know everybody sees it, uh, where it's like one on one, and then they throw it back to the next girl, and they break down. They play the half court, and they have to mm-hmm. do that for a minute. And anytime they get beat, they have to run for it. Mm-hmm. So their main focus is just keep them in front. Yep. Um, so we we talk about uh, a measuring stick. Um, my arm length is up in their face, um, stopping a shot, and whatever length of my arm. That is my measuring stick, and that is how close I can get to my person. Mm-hmm. If I get now, I have some girls that are quicker, obviously, so their measuring stick can break sometimes because they can uh, keep their person in front. And then I have girls that are slower that might need to make their measuring stick a little bit longer so that they don't get beat. Our main focus is don't get beat so that we don't have to help and scramble out. Mm-hmm. Um, but and we always oh, post so low post we. Low side to double on one post if there's one post up and we scramble out. Mm-hmm. Those are my main probably two philosophies in our man defense. Can, can you explain so. a little bit more that that four corner or the uh, the, the four corner defense or whatever you're talking about there, the sure. four line one? Yeah. What, yeah. what what was into that? So my philosophy actually changed this year in the setup of that. So over the last couple of years, I put my fastest, quickest girls in one corner. So it, it, you take lane line of the free throw, lane line to sideline. Okay, and then you have baseline, and then you have half court. So you separate that into four, 
if you have a full court, four corners, if that makes sense. Yep. So you, I divide my team, four girls. I have like, so I have 20 right now, fresh, or excuse me, 20 in JV and varsity. So I have four. So I put five girls in each corner. So in the past, I put my fastest girls in one corner and I put my, you know, middle and then my slowest together. And what I noticed is, is that, um, my slower girls never really got to go against faster girls. So they didn't know. So they thought they were doing good in the drill. <laughs> and so this year, you know what I mean? Yeah, I no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I divide it. So I have, I have a fast girl in each group. I have a meet. So they're going against multiple different um, types of ball handlers and speed. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, is you put a minute on the clock. One girl plays defense on the girl. And so baseline, they start on the baseline. And then sideline and lane line is, is out of bounds. And then the half court line is out of bounds. So they only go to half court. So the offensive player is trying to beat you. Mm-hmm. And if they, and so I have, I put one coach in each corner and they count in one minute, how many times they get beat. They don't talk. Um, and so forth. And then when that minute is done, so they throw, okay, so excuse me. So let me break that down. So they play defense on the girl when they get to half court, that offensive player throws it to the next girl in line at the baseline. And then the defense, the defender runs, breaks down and plays defense on a new offensive player. Mm-hmm. And they do that for an entire minute, okay. which is really long and they get really tired. So I try to build up. I do 30 seconds and then yep. in a couple of weeks I'll do, I'll build it to 45 in yep. a minute. Um, and then whatever that coach says, so at the end of the drill, every coach yells out, for example, I don't know, Randy, she got beat zero. And then we give her two claps. And then the next coach says this girl. So everybody knows how many times everybody got beat. Yep. And everybody knows who the you know best defenders are, or and it challenges them to. Ooh, I don't want to be that girl at the end of this drill, having to run for every time I got beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I really don't make them run. I call it defensive. I call them DCMBs, which is defensive conditioning, mind and body, like a defensive <laughs> slide workout. Uh-huh. Uh, and they have to do so many DCMBs for how many times they got beat. If that makes sense. No, that no that, that 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 makes sense. Um, what uh my my one of my old assistant coaches what did he call uh used to call them um it wasn't conditioners i can't remember of it so whatever i'm, I'm not even gonna try and remember it so uh how how do you uh you, you said you're a multiple defense person uh sure. when you're teaching let's say you're in zone or in man you said you you play it straight up uh hips forward that's the way you're teaching it, whether you're in zone or man, you're not changing those angles or anything like that uh, based on what's going on behind well, them, correct? No, actually, I do change that in the zone. So depending okay. on our zone defense, um, we will change our hips and so forth if we're trying to trap okay. things. But we have we have a 2-3 zone. We have a 1-2-2. Two, two. I have a full court diamond in one. And then I have a high 2-1-2 two, two that mm-hmm. we teach. Mm-hmm. Um and usually, like, in a game plan, if I see a team that's not very good, you know, shooters and they want to drive, then, you know, on made baskets we run this, on missed baskets we run this, and I change it up usually every game. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to scout because they don't know what we're going to run against them yep. um, defensively. So that's kind of my philosophy defensively. Gotcha. Uh, let's wrap up with this, Coach. Uh, let's talk about okay. your – uh, your cultural values, your building up with your kids. I, I, I'm, I'm very, very intrigued. I, I love this idea of the preseason competition. We've done some things like that, you know, during the summer, but now you're talking about things outside of what goes on in the gymnasium. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what you're going to send me here. Uh, so, you know, but what are some other cultural things that you talk about with your team and, and building, building them to, to be one group and, and one culture there at Mustang High? Sure. So there's two other areas that I'm here, John, and my players know, and that's education. So I, and I just feel like whatever you value, you're going to put your work into. So I value education. They know that when they get here, that they have to hold themselves to a certain standard. So I preach and always will um, education. And so with that being said, I check their grades twice a day. I check in the morning and I check it before practice and they all know I'm checking. Mm-hmm. And what I do is, is they can't have a D in any class. They have a D in any class. They have what we call Bronco insanity and they run a Bronco insanity every day until it's a C or better. And that has just been my fault. <laughs> yep. Everybody knows that. And so what happens is I, which I've been trying so hard is to be an academic state champion, but we're, we haven't gotten there, but the last two years, so last year, my, 
entire um, program or varsity, excuse me, was combined to 3.8 GPA. And the year before that was 3.72. Um, and the year before that, I think it was 3.75, I think. So, and this year is the first year I have eight of my 13 varsity players in National Honor Society. Oh, very good. Um, so, yeah, so we promote not that, but our community service as well. So I usually do three to four community service things um, a year. So like this Thursday, we're going to our regional food bank where we pack food um, for people. And um, it's all just volunteer. And of course, my girls try to make a competition on who we can pack the most food than anybody else. It's so funny. Um, we do that. Uh, we also I have our girls go to our local elementary school here. They read in the mornings with the um, elementary kids before school. And then we usually do like a Christmas one where we find a family and we donate um, Christmas gifts to a family that needs a Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I usually have two or three girls help me in that, deliver that. And every year they say that impact of that really shows they don't really realize, you know, that yep. other people out there, you know, really don't have what they have, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would feel like education, community service, and you know, I'm, I'm huge on young girls feeling like they have a voice and knowing that their education after high school is important and that they are strong and um, feel valued and always speaking up for themselves, even mm -hmm. if it's uncomfortable. Yep. So I, I do three uh, meetings a year where they come into my office individually. We set these up, my assistants, and we do what's called like mental health checks. Um, how do you feel? How's what's going on? Do you need anything from us? And it helps us as coaches realize where they are because, you know, throughout the season, you know this, and yep. anybody who's coached that throughout the season, basketball's up and down. So things are going really good and then they don't. And so what I noticed over the last couple of years is, um, and I'm really good at picking up body language with my girls and things, but some of them were reluctant to tell me things that I didn't really realize until we started having these meetings. Yep. And so also it helps them be able to advocate for themselves and talk about things that might be uncomfortable um, and being able to speak in, you know, in yeah. front of the coaching. Because when they, if they want to play in college, they got to be able to come into that coach's office and be able to talk. Mm -hmm. And so um, I do those. And then the last thing I do I feel like is really important is that I'm a huge at, you know, for building middle schools um, and making sure they feel important and valued. And so I make my team, we go down to the middle schools. We have three here at Mustang. And even though it might take away from my practice 30 minutes, it's totally worth it. But I have them speak about, I give them a topic and they have to talk in front of the entire group of, you know, uh, middle school girls and being confident to talk in front of a bunch of groups or you know because that's kind of hard for high school girls to yep. do that and and over the years when by the time they're senior they can talk in front of anybody and it's it's really great to see how they grow mm -hmm. um and then we have like middle school player of the week we do a lot with our middle schools also mm -hmm. um but i would feel like that's probably what i do the most of culture wise i feel like within my program mm -hmm. that's probably the main the main well, those are some terrific, terrific ideas. I, I scrambled down a lot of this stuff here, and I, I think it's really good, especially if you're in a unified school district, to be involved in those elementary schools and the middle schools and have your players, uh, you know, appear and and that public speaking. I always, I always tell my students that if you want to make a lot of money someday. And, of, you know, one of the things I, I ask at the beginning of the school year, who wants to make a lot of money someday? And most of them, you know, yeah, of course I do, you know. Well, mm -hmm. here's here's two things you need to do really well. Uh, you're probably going to need to learn how to speak in front of people, and you you have to be a great note taker. And if you don't do those two things, you're probably not going to achieve a lot of your, your goals in the sense of fiscal goals and – uh, achievements, you know, just being able to sell yourself in a job interview or whatever that may be, you know, you've got to be able to come in there and say, yeah, there's a reason why I'm here. And there's a reason why you should select me over everybody else that you should, like you, that. you have yeah. in front of you. So I, I really feel like those are important things as well. And I like the way that you're building on that with your, with your young women. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah I just noticed over well, you know, it's always freshmen. They always get nervous. And <laughs> I always let them go last when we go to the middle school. So they have, you know, time to build up and really listen to the other girls. But every year when I give them a topic, 
I always give them a topic to talk about that either they've struggled with or that they're really good with. Mm -hmm. And um, that way, I always feel like when you're able to speak about it, it just, you know, it it really, I don't know, pushes you as a as a kid to mm-hmm. really realize, okay, if coach thinks that this is what I need to be talking about, maybe I should, you know, be really trying harder in this area. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I like your note-taking, you know, being able to speak and being able to note-take. I like that. Yep, uh, absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. So, Coach Katie Smith from Mustang, Oklahoma, Mustang High School. Uh, Coach, I really appreciate your time today. I hope you had a good time on a pen and a napkin. I did, actually. It's always fun to talk about basketball. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) What, uh, if folks are interested in your program or if they'd like to check more things out with with Mustang High School, uh, what are some ways that they can look you up on social media or on the Internet or whatever? Okay, yeah, sure. So, um, obviously, I have... Twitter. We all have Twitter. It's just Coach. It's at Coach Smith GID, which obviously I already talked about what GID is. Get it done. For. Yep. Um, and then we also um, have a webpage here, and we actually have a really great athletic um, webpage with all of our um, all of our information for our athletics. And I think it's Mustang. See, you just asked me, and now I'm. I feel. I think it's MustangBroncos.org. Mm-hmm. Let me make sure I. Yes, it's MustangBroncos.org. And if you just go to sports, go to girls basketball. Um, all, you know, we have our roster, our schedule, all of my coaches, and I, you know, my email. Um, you can always email me. It's smithka at mustangps.org. Um, and I, I don't, I don't mind calling, texting, emailing, whatever anybody needs. And I would love to hear, you know, if anybody else has great ideas. Um, also. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would love for anybody who needs anything. I'm open book and can help anybody who needs it. Perfect. Perfect. Coach Katie Smith, uh, head girls basketball coach at Mustang High School in Mustang, Oklahoma. Coach, thanks so much for your time today. Really, really appreciate it. If you could hold the line while I wrap a couple of things up, uh, that'd be great. Sure. So, but uh, thanks. All right, thank you. Yeah. Thanks again, coach. Uh, again, Katie Smith, uh, terrific job today on the podcast. A lot of really, really great information. Again, we want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. If you have any questions, uh, don't hesitate to give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Uh, download, rate, review. Like I said, if you could subscribe to this, that would be awesome. Uh, those subscription numbers just help out with, with so many things. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Check out a pen and a napkin.com. A lot of really, really good things for you on there. So, uh, again, for Katie Smith from Mustang, Oklahoma, uh, my name is Marty Plum. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 